Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Grounded Podcast. We apologize for our absence in January. We decided to take a little bit of a break just to recuperate and enjoy time with family, but we're happy to be back. And we're back with another question. This is episode 42, and today, Pastor Matt is going to be talking about suffering. Specifically, what does God teach us during suffering? We've all experienced suffering to some degree in our lives, whether it be through the wave of trial and blessing that we face as believers or to some other degree. And today we are going to be answering that question. It's a good question that can apply to all of us. So here to answer that question is Pastor Matt Round. Hello, Pastor Matt. Hey, Noah. Good to be back at it and welcome to the new year with Grounded with Pastor Matt. We're glad that you guys are all out there and please send us questions as uh, they come to mind. We'd love to answer those. So first of all, we got to kind of establish a background to this and that is that Uh, suffering is not outside of God's plan or God's control. If we're going to ask a question, what does God teach us during suffering? Then it kind of, it assumes that God does have a plan and a purpose during suffering, which he absolutely does. Uh, If he is sovereign, if he is really all powerful, then even suffering is under his authority. And even suffering can be used to accomplish his will that we know is good and perfect in our lives. So specifically, what are some of those things that God teaches us during suffering? suffering? Uh, One of the things that I think he teaches us uh, during suffering is that this world is broken and that it's not our hope and that it is not our home. We have a tendency uh, to be lazy, to get comfortable, uh, even in this world. Um, But the fact that there is suffering reminds us of the reality of sin. Back in the beginning, when God creates and he forms and he fills the world, uh, he says that his creation is not only good, but that it's very good. When he puts Adam and Eve in the garden, it's it's this ideal environment where they have everything they need um, in relationship with him, in relationship with each other. They have everything they need for survival, and there is no suffering there. Uh, There's work, but there's no suffering. There's no affliction. And then as soon as sin enters, we see that there is suffering. Uh, There is brokenness. There's death. Um, And suffering has this very practical effect of reminding us that this world is not our home. We're called sojourners. We're called travelers or kind of temporary residents. And that's for a reason. We have a tendency to get comfortable. There's a lot in this world uh, that's wonderful. There's a lot in this world that's beautiful. But suffering is this constant reminder that sin is a wrecker and that Jesus Christ came and died to restore what was lost. It reminds us that we have a hope of heaven where we're told that suffering is done away with. And so suffering is kind of used by God uh, to keep our perspective right and to train our priorities. What else does suffering teach us? Well, suffering teaches us humility and dependence. Uh, One of my favorite quotes from Charles Spurgeon, he says, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. And just like we have a tendency to get comfortable in this world, uh, most of us have a tendency to assume that we can handle whatever life throws at us on our own strength. Uh, That if there's a problem, uh, that if there's a situation that we have the strength and the ability to deal with it on our own, uh, suffering and trials have a way of breaking down that really prideful response. And that's what it is. It's a prideful response that says, I can do this. I've got it. I'll fix it. I'll move through it. Um, well, when I'm really going through it and when there's nothing that I can do to fix it, it forces me to live out the theology that I say that I believe. Uh, we talk and we sing and we study and we preach about a God who's sovereign. We talk and we sing and we study about a God who is all powerful. Um, but suffering makes me live in that reality. Uh, 
humility is a wonderful thing, but it's not a natural thing. And so suffering has a way of teaching us humility uh, in a way that not many other things do. It, it drives us back to the idea that we cannot handle everything that we face and that we are entirely dependent on God who holds our lives and our circumstances in his good and powerful hands. What else does God teach us during suffering? Uh, a lot of times God uses suffering to teach us to be compassionate. In fact, Paul says uh, specifically that that's one of the reasons for our suffering or for our affliction. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes this in verses 3 through 7. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So what's he saying? He says, God is the father of comfort, that God is the one who comforts us in our affliction, and that God does that so that we are able to be a comfort to others. In other words, your suffering teaches you how to walk through suffering with other people. Paul says that if he suffers, it's for the sake of the churches so that they can be comforted. And he knows that if they share in his affliction, then they also get to share in the comfort that God provides. So uh, it gives us this perspective that is very, very different and very, very foreign to anything the world around us understands. Um, suffering is not just an individual thing for the Christian. Uh, we see that suffering isn't just for me. The benefits and the blessings of suffering are a part of the beautiful unity that God builds into his church and that God calls us to live out in the one another commands. So, um, for example, what does that look like? Well, there are people who experience tragic things, something like the loss of a child uh, and all the grief and all the heartache and the heartbreak that that brings. Now, as a pastor, I can come alongside them and I can be kind and I can be sensitive and I can say true things and I can say comforting things uh, that the Bible tells us uh, that deal with, that talk about grief and loss. But there's something really powerful about the ability of another mom or another dad who's lost a child to come alongside of them, uh, to be able to say, not only do I understand specifically what you're going through, but more importantly, here's how God saw me through that circumstance. Here's how God was faithful, even in the midst of my grief. And so uh, there's a way that suffering teaches us to be compassionate uh, in a way that is specific and pointed and allows us to be a comfort to others. What else does God teach us during suffering? Uh, sometimes it's through suffering that God teaches us obedience. Proverbs says the way of the sinner is hard. And uh, Hebrews 12 reminds us that God disciplines those that he loves. Talks about him even scourging the sons that he calls his own. Uh, sometimes we walk through life not only thinking that we can do everything and that it's all on our own strength. Sometimes we walk through life and we think we're pretty good. That we've got it figured out, uh, that we are just kind of moving down the road and that everything we do is just fine. And God uses suffering that comes out of discipline sometimes to show us those areas that we're disobedient. And now the blessing of that is that God doesn't just kind of punish his children for the sake of punishment. He doesn't just bring suffering uh, for the sake of suffering. He makes suffering part of that refining process. Hebrews says that he uses that discipline to produce the fruit of righteousness in our lives. So uh, that suffering becomes a part of the refining process where God shows us ways that we're not like him. And then through that suffering, he uses it to train us to be more like him. 
not only do we learn what it looks like to be like him, to kind of take away those sinful things, but we learn then that walking in obedience is what actually brings blessing and comfort and peace and joy. Um, now, that doesn't mean ease or comfort. We can't mix those two things up, right? Uh, obedience does not always mean that our lives will be easy and that our lives will be comfortable. But obedience does bring the real lasting joy and the real lasting peace and the real lasting beautiful things that God desires us to experience in our life. So uh, God has a way of using suffering to teach us where we are being sinful and to teach us then how to be obedient. What else? Uh, James 1 talks about what God teaches us during suffering, uh, and pretty specifically, James 1, verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness has its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, trials produce steadfastness or endurance. Uh, It produces in us an ability to endure or bear up under difficulty kind of like an athlete who trains so that they're able to lift or bear more and more weight. The trials that we encounter produce this kind of spiritual endurance in us. And James says that it moves us toward being made perfect or complete. Uh, We find that we don't lack anything. Suffering shows us our spirit enabled ability to endure difficulty. It shows us uh, that we have a faith that makes a difference in the way that we live. In other words, God uses suffering to show us how we can move toward maturity and kind of it's this benchmark for showing that as we are able to endure suffering, it shows the maturity of our faith. And although we can kind of go on and on, I just want to go to one more passage and that's in first Peter. First Peter chapter one, verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter opens up with this uh, fantastic look at this great salvation that we have, uh, this living hope that he says we will absolutely come into. It's this inheritance that's guaranteed, uh, set aside and kind of entrusted or uh, kept secure for us by the Holy Spirit. And that matters because we don't have it yet. He's talking about this salvation, not only the salvation now, but this future kind of culmination of our salvation that we hope in, but that we don't have yet. And when he talks about what we do have right now, uh, often what we do have is suffering. And he goes on to say that in verse six, he says, in this you rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. But then he goes on to give the purpose of those trials. In verse seven, he says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So a couple of really important points there. Uh, We rejoice even in trials, but how is it possible to rejoice in trials? Well, because those trials are producing a tested faith. What does God teach us through suffering? Uh, basically, he teaches us that our faith is real. Trials have a way of kind of burning away the things that don't matter. When we are really going through difficulty, um, you know, how well we mowed the grass or exactly what color the walls of the church are, those kinds of things tend to not matter. What's left is this faith that not only understands what's important, but that relies on the power of God, even in suffering. And as this faith is tested, and as we see the genuineness of our faith, we realize that not only is it a genuine faith, but that it's a rewarded faith. Uh, It says that it brings praise and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's not speaking of praise and honor toward Christ, 
although when Christ comes, certainly praise and honor are part of what he receives. What he's talking about is that this tested genuine faith then becomes something praiseworthy in the life of the believer. That this is pointed to praise and honor that comes to the believer from God. It's that well done, good and faithful servant commendation uh, that we look forward to. And so God teaches us that our faith is real, but through suffering and obedience, God also teaches us that there's reward that comes out of our suffering. So now, even though we don't see him, even though sometimes this world feels like the farthest thing from the joy and the glory of heaven that we hope for, uh, we're able to rejoice. We love him and we know that he loves us. We know that he's faithful even on our suffering. And we know that because he is faithful, we can maintain and remain faithful. And we know that not only does he use our trials, but that obedience during trials and obedience during times of difficulty is something that God honors and even rejoices in. And so God teaches us a number of different things uh, through our suffering and through our trials. And the problem ultimately isn't that suffering is hard. And that makes no sense because of course, suffering is hard. (laughs) But if all of those things are true, if God really is going to teach us all of those things through suffering, then it's worth it. They're ultimately worth it. So suffering really isn't the problem. The problem is that those usually aren't the things that I want. I don't want those same things that God promises to accomplish. When I'm suffering, And when I allow my flesh to kind of dictate how I think about and how I respond to that suffering, what do you think the thing I want is? You get to talk in this one, Noah. What do do you think I want? When my flesh is determining how I respond to suffering, what do I want to happen? Probably your own comfort. Yeah, I want it to stop suffering, right? When I'm thinking of what I want to accomplish during suffering, nine times out of 10, uh, especially if I'm not walking in the spirit, what I want to happen is for the suffering to stop. I want my own comfort. I want my own safety. I want my own peace. And the problem is when God says that I'm not going to get those things, then not only am I suffering, then I'm angry and then I'm frustrated and I'm bitter and I'm even despairing because I don't actually see God doing anything in my suffering. When my goal through suffering is not to learn what God promises to teach me, is not to accomplish what God promises to accomplish through my suffering, then all I'm left with is pain and the disappointment that I have to keep walking through a painful situation. But when I say, yes, I'm suffering, but what's my hope in this? I'm suffering, but my hope is that God is able to accomplish his will in this. My hope is that even though I'm suffering, God is going to teach me things that are of eternal value. Uh, When my goal is to walk through suffering and to see that on the other side of the suffering, whether that's an hour, a day, a year, or even a lifetime, that on the other side of that, God is going to use that to make me more like Christ then my priorities are going to align with God's priorities. And when my priorities align with God's priorities, then that doesn't mean the suffering goes away, but it does mean the frustration goes away and the bitterness goes away and the resentfulness goes away and the despair goes away because then I'm actually freed up to see what God is doing in the middle of that trial. So it means that I'm going to be able to start to see him do those good things, those lasting things, even in the middle of suffering. So uh, understanding what God can teach us during suffering is one part of it. Uh, The other and maybe even more important part of this is those have to be the things that I want to learn out of suffering. Uh, So suffering is a guarantee. We live in a fallen, broken world and uh, we will all suffer to one degree or another. And while that is not a hopeful message to the world, that is a hopeful message to the believer because God accomplishes things of eternal value, even through suffering. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Thank you very much, Pastor Matt. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to hear more episodes relating to God's plan for the life of the believer, check out our website, thegroundedpodcast.com. If you'd like to submit a question of your own, please send us an email, groundedwithmattround at gmail.com. We're happy to be back, and we hope to see you next week. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.